This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app. From MPB Think Radio, this is Now You're Talking, the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, editor-at-large and cartoonist with Mississippi Today. This year's Governor's Arts Award for Excellence in Music was bestowed to none other than the legendary King Edward Antoine. A working musician for 67 years, King Edward has been a member of the Mississippi Arts Commission's artist roster for 10 years and is a longtime member of the Central Mississippi Blues Society. Also has featured on three Mississippi Blues Trail Markers and is also awarded a PV Award for his contribution to the state's musical legacy. Think about that for a half second. He was awarded a PV Award for his contribution to the state's musical legacy. When you start thinking about our musical legacy and how incredibly huge, rich, and powerful it is, that is a huge honor in itself. He's here today to tell his story, and I am honored to celebrate Mississippi's authentic blues musician, King Edward. King Edward, I mean, I got to tell you, I've been a fan for a long time, and just to be able to sit down and have a conversation with you is such a huge honor, but to do it under such a happy circumstance of you getting a Governor's Arts Awards, congratulations. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that very much. Ah, well, you well, are, you're welcome. Well, I'm a Creole, you know, from Louisiana. Yes, sir. And... Uh, I started with my cousin Clifton Chanel back in the 50s, 1958. And uh, played get guitar for him. And we were doing Zydeco music then. And then I decided I'm going to switch into the blues. That's what I, I really like to do. And I got into the blues, and then all my cousins got in there, taught me a lot of stuff. I was young, you know, trying to get in and learn. And I got into the blues, and everybody wanted to hire me after that, you know. <laughs> I got to I got to play. The, mostly my job back then was mostly white club. And it was kind of different from what it is nowadays. You know, everybody's together now. Back in them days, it was kind of rough, man. Uh, my band couldn't even get off the stage to get something to drink or eat. I had to get off the stage and go get it for them out for my group. But they got to liking me, and uh, I really got into it. I got to playing with all the legends, you know. And uh, I decided that I was going to try to move up north and see what, what can I do better. So I moved to Portland, Oregon in 1960. And when I got to Portland, and my sister, my sister and brother were living up there, and I got my little old group and played uh, I had a three-piece blues orchestra band, I mean. And then uh, we started playing the blues all downtown and all that. So I couldn't make the money I wanted to make, so some jazz we wanted to get to play, and somebody told me, well, get King Hill, man. The other, the other guy said, well, you know, he he's a blues artist. I said, well, I said, well, I don't know no music I can't play, you know. And so I knew lots about the jazz and stuff like that because I had played with a lot of jazz groups. So I got with them. They had 12-piece band, orchestra, and the only blues they was played back in that day was like honky-tonk, you know. And the rest of them were like 
a night train, uh, you know, something like that. And I stayed in Portland for about a year. And my brother called me from Chicago, and he's a recording artist, too, Nolan Struck. He said, man, you need to be down here. He said, this is where the blues at. I said, oh, yeah? He said, I'm going to talk to some of the guys up there. So my sister said, that's all right. I said, I said, I paid for the thing to move up there. So he picked me up at the airport. And uh, when he picked me up at the airport, man, it was snow and it was cold. I didn't know what, I already never been that kind of weather before, you know. So when I got up there, all my cousins that plays music was up there. And I went to live with my cousin. And uh, the one that plays guitar for me here in the South, he, lived, he had moved up there when I lived with him for a while. And I got into meeting all the great guitar blues players. Uh, I got it, I got in with uh, Junior Wells first. And uh, Junior Wells was uh, singing at Teresa's in the basin in Chicago. And uh, Teresa asked him to let me play a song behind it. He said, yeah, man, come on. I guess he didn't know I could play the blues that good. He said, man, he said, where you come from? I said, I'm from the South, man. It's South. He said, in uh, Enola? I said, no, I'm Louisiana. He said, man, I love you. He said, I love the way you play that guitar. He said, you want to play with me down here? I said, well, I just got here. I'm looking for a job. So he hired me down there at Teresa's. And uh, I started recording some songs with him in the studio. Recorded a few songs. He brought me over to Buddy Guy's Club. Checkerboard used to call it then. My buddy Guy hired me uh, as a hot stand in his club. So they all got, I got a lot of comments, good comments in Chicago. So I played the blues for about two years over there. And then I decided to hook up with McKinley Mitchell. He was a uh, blues R&B, and we hooked up together. And McKinley Mitchell had the purpose span in Chicago to uh, book him. So that's how, I, that's how I got to knowing all the people like Richard Franklin, Temptations, uh, Michael Jackson, and the little kids up there dancing on the floor. Oh wow. <laughs> Well, man, uh, he was booking us in the Riga Theater. I guess you heard about that one. Yeah. In the Riga Theater, and I, and I was the uh, guitar player for the high school, the orchestra. They had, they had a 15-piece band, and everybody reading music with me, and they couldn't understand how I can uh, remember that music so good. I told them that this. I said, well, it's my music. They're recording it. I don't want to put it together. So... I got to meet all of them, B.B. King, and uh, I met B.B. first, met B.B. King at Pepper's Lounge on 47th Street. You got me? Yeah. What year What I year was you. that? What was What year was that, King Edward? I was in Chicago. Yeah. That's why I met B.B. King at Pepper's Lounge. Okay. And I was playing behind Junior Wills when he walked in, you know, and he asked uh but a guy, he said, who's that guy up there, man? He said, that's Nolan Struck, brother. He said, I don't know, I like the way he played guitar. He said, 
And he wanted to hide me, but Junior Will wouldn't let me go. So Junior Will and I, I got a contract on him, and you can't get him, you know. <laughs> so I got this playing with Junior Will for a long time, and then buddy guy, and then, then I decided to hook up with McKinley Mitchell, and uh, when McKinley Mitchell had got Purple Span to book him, and that's when I met Purple Span. Uh, you remember that guy that put out Honky Tonk? Yeah. Well, that's when I played with him, Bill Doggy, I think. Bill Doggy, Honky Tonk. And uh, we played with them. We start traveling on the bus, different time, on different places. So you got to yeah. travel some, too. So you weren't just based in Chicago doing it. You were traveling around the country, too. Oh, yeah. did, did you do the yeah. Chitlin circuit? Oh, yeah. I did all the Chitlin circuit before I got to travel. Uh, all of 43rd Street in Chicago. 40, and then I moved, played up South Side, Chicago, West Side. I even played in Puerto Rico town, you know. Yeah. And then I was playing in the street. Uh in the wintertime, you know that's cold. Yeah, that's actually. Chicago. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, sir, go ahead. No, I was just saying Chicago's probably the coldest place in the world on, on in, in that uh, kind of uh, figure, uh, that, yeah. especially for a guy from Louisiana. I mean, come on, from uh, rain, yeah, Louisiana? Yeah, I didn't know nothing about that kind of weather. But I I, I, I was doing a show for the bank. I hooked up with uh, my booking agent, hooked me up with the bank. The bank, and all the banks were putting me. I dozed to play. I thought I was going to play on the inside, and they had me playing. I dozed. <laughs> and I told them, I said, y'all got to bring me some whiskey or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, so much for that. And then I'm, re- I'm ready for some answers. You want to ask me some questions? Oh, no, that's great. I mean, that was, that's a great overview. And I was going to ask you, so Rain, Louisiana, you said you were born um, – you yeah. you grew up you grew up speaking French and now of course you can speak, you know obviously I can yeah. understand you better than you can, than I can understand myself. But when did you pick up when did you pick up a guitar? Because I mean it was well uh, uh, the guitar player that when they was living in Chicago, mm-hmm. he taught me. He's my cousin, you know. Yeah, he yeah, me, yeah. Taught me how to play. Boys are picking the guitar. I learned that myself. Okay. You know, I went and got get, uh, records like Muddy Waters and uh, Lightning Hopkins and all them, Lightning Slim, all them old blues, you know. And it wouldn't take me long to learn because I learned fast, you know. That's why I clicked and said, man, you you know all my songs already. And he was a recording artist, you know. So he said, Fuzz, come on, get up there with me. So I, I played with him. But the, speaking of French, in Louisiana, man, Back in them days, uh, mostly white and black would speak French. Yeah. Like Lafayette and Rain, that's where the French people were. They had New Orleans. In them days, if you, you, they, they, they didn't speak too much English. And when they did, you you, uh, you had to ask them twice what they said, you know? Yeah. So they, they didn't speak as like you do, you know? So I got to learn my daddy taught me how to speak French, and all my sisters and brothers were speaking French, so it wasn't hard for me to speak to somebody else, because all the kinfolk down there and all the people down there saw me speaking. So when I got to learn how to speak French, and then when I got to Chicago, the band and all of them asked me, what what part of Africa are you from, man? I said, Africa. (laughs) Because they think you were speaking French. 
He said, he said, well, why are you talk like that? I said, I'm afraid. I said, I'm French. Oh, man, everybody started laughing at me. And uh, Junior Wilson said, y'all can laugh, but y'all ain't going to laugh after you hear him play. That's right. That's right. After you hear him play behind Junior Wilson, the, the house stood up, you know. It's, man, this man can play. You were hooked at that point. I bet. I bet. Right. The, yeah, I bet the first time you saw, got that standing ovation, you were thinking, "Okay, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life." That's right. That's right. And then uh, McKinley Mitchell wanted me to sing, open up the show for him, and I wouldn't sing. Then you know, I I was just playing guitar. So I just start picking up songs and learning how to how to phrase their voice. And you know how to make it rhyme, you know. Yeah. And uh, I got up there and started singing, and McKinley hired me to open up the show for him. You know, he was he was the star, but me and him was recording with Malico down here. We had to come to Chicago and hear a record Malico's record with Jackson. So after him and his wife broke up, me and my girlfriend broke up at the same time. So. He said, man, I'm going to stop. I said, what part? He said, Mississippi. I said, Mississippi, I ain't never been to Mississippi, man. He said, well, you're going to like it. Come and go with me. I said, okay. Well, we packed our clothes in my car, and he drove, because I was so nervous. I couldn't drive on the highway. So when we got to Jackson, he signed a contract with Malico. Right? And Tommy Cottage, you know, Tommy Cottage uh, yeah. heard me. And he said, man, he he told McKinnon, where you find him at, man? He said, we, we, we need him down here, you know? McKinnon said, well, you got him. So they hired me to lay tracks behind different bands, behind different artists, so, you know. I did some tracks for, uh, what's his name, Johnny Taylor. I played behind Johnny Taylor's tracks. I played behind Nolan Strzok's track. I played behind uh, Franco Johnson's track. Oh, a whole lot of them tracks that you hear on the rec- on their record. They were what they were doing. They were taking my music, but they wasn't telling nobody who playing the music on the record. You know, so they were just paying me. So it took me a while to learn the business. After I learned the business, I got with Miss Peggy Brown, and uh, I told Peggy Brown, I said, "I'm looking for a booking agency." She said, "Well, I'm looking for a good artist like you." I said, "Oh, that's that that hit the spot right there. I said, well, I want to do another album, Miss Peggy. And she said, well, I got to try to find somebody. So she went to Memphis at a festival in Memphis Blue Festival, and she ran across this guy named Brian. And uh, he had plenty of money, so he was looking for good blues artists. But he wanted to get Jurekas. And Jurekas was already tied up at a gate of records at that time. So Peggy said, well, why don't you listen to to my artists? So Peggy sent him some stuff on me, and she he, he called her back. He said, yeah, I want her. I want her. I want him. I want him. So Peggy, why don't you tell him some more, some more about Brian? I'm about to say, of course, Peggy Brown. I mean, Peggy, I'm just so glad to be able to talk to you. I mean, I, I mean, you have done so much to help promote the blues and promote music here in Mississippi. So thank you for all you've done. And thank you, of course, for helping King Edward for being on today. And of course, I know you're as proud of him for the Governor's Arts Award as I am. 
Oh, Marshall, thank you for all that. I am so very proud of him, and um, it w- it was a great night. But um, but firstly, just that he was chosen by the by the committee to yeah. receive the award this year, and he's so well deserving, as you can hear. And he's he's one of the last generation of bluesmen in Mississippi that has lived the blues. Right. I and mean, he's he does he just didn't come in one day and go, I want to play the blues. He's lived it for all this long time. So he's a genuine blues musician. I'm just I'm I'm happy and proud to be associated with him. Peggy, like you said, um gosh that I wish I'd have been there because I mean Governor's Arts Awards are really cool because you know, one of the things and I think a lot of people know this in the state, but truly the our arts community is something that gives the state something to really be proud of and to brag about. And, of course, um, like you were saying before the break, that you know, King Edward it was there. He's he's the real deal. He got—and just even all the people he was listing off that he got to play with or knew, I mean, he literally could sit down and write a book on the history of the blues. He, he really could write a history of, uh, about the blues, yeah. And, uh, and so many people he hasn't named that— um, that have said in the past, well, they knew King Edward from Chicago. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a litany of people. And, you know, as he said, he didn't really say, but he said it before. He sometimes used to play two gigs a night in Chicago. Two? And wow. we go from one to the other. So there were just a wealth of people that he encountered that have gone their way and made it in the blues. But um, he touched so many. And then, like he was saying, he's on a lot of tracks. Uh, yeah, he was a great session guitarist. Here. Yeah, I mean, one of the right. best. And and he's not necessarily listed as playing on those tracks. So there's a lot of his history that's really undocumented. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I keep learning new stuff about him every day. That's cool. And and I loved hearing a little bit how he got here because I always wondered how he made the – number one, and, and King Edward, I'm just going to ask you, how, why Portland? I mean, why? I knew there was a little bit of a music scene there, but why did you choose to go to Portland of all the places you would have gone to leave Louisiana from? Well, at that time, I had an asthma problem, you know, and I couldn't sleep at night, you know, good. So my grandmama, my grandmama told me, he said, son, you want to get rid of that asthma? You want to change climate. Yeah. I said, oh, yes. She said, yeah, you got to go somewhere where it's like up north. So my sister was living in Portland. So I called her. And she said, well, oh, yeah. She said, well, I sent you the ticket. You you know, I, I had to ride the bus up there so far, man. I rode the bus almost a week. I went to Denver, Colorado, Cheyenne, all them places, riding the bus to Texas, you know. Took me about two, three days to get there. But when I got there, everybody elected me and welcomed me there. And I got, it was really different from the South, you know, at that time. Yeah. When I got there, I said, wow, I didn't know people can get along that good up here, you know. So I stayed up there a year. Like I told you, I played with different guys. I had my little band, played with the jazz group. But the biggest thing was when I went to Chicago, because I ran across Holland Wolf. Muddy Waters. Oh, yeah. Williams, all them kind of guys. You know, I I sat in with them like back then, jam session. You know, um, uh, a lot of artists like, like uh, Lonnie Brooks 
we know we played. We grew up in the South together. And Brook was a Louisiana, Louisiana guy too. So we hooked up up there and played gigs. You know, like they can tell you, I was I was doing it now from one gig to another. When I leave one, go to another. But I was in young, you know, back in my twenties, and it didn't hurt me. Only thing that hurt me was the weather. I couldn't get the use of that weather. I about to say it's kind of hard when your fingers are frozen to be able to play guitar, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, I was glad to make it back to Mississippi. When I got back to Mississippi, everything changed. You know, I got to work like like I told you, I got to work for Malico. Yeah. And Malico had me on a lot of these tracks. And a lot of these tracks that the year by Bobby Bland, uh, I laid some of them tracks down, and but I, I didn't get the credit. You know, I just got sure. To, you know, I, I, that is that I didn't know the business as good as I do now. You know, one of the things about the business, and, and, I've, and I've talked to so many musicians and, and I've talked with Bobby Rush, and, you know, it's like if you're dependable and you show up and you are professional and you're good, you don't really have to worry about finding your next gig. I mean, that seems like, and just hearing the way you were describing it, it sounds like, you know, they knew that you were really talented and you were really good and that you were going to be there. Oh yeah, they did. It was no problem. Peggy can tell you that. And see, every time they call her, we was already set up early that day, ready to play. You know. Yeah. And then I, uh, uh, they, after I did the show, they'd be going to hire me back. You know. Yeah. It wasn't no problem there. But uh, like you like say, uh, the blues man, you have to experience the blues to, to know what it's all about. Right. You know. So I had the blues anyway when I went to Portland because I didn't like the way they was treating musicians down there, black musicians back then. Right. And they they knew they could play, like Holland Wolf, you know, Buddies, uh, Lightning Hopkins, Lightning Slam, all them guys from the South. I met a lot of them. Been on the stage with them, you know. So when I got to playing an R&B blues like Bobby Bland and uh, Keep On Walking Them, uh, I ran across Bobby Bland band in the Ricky Theater and the guitar player named Wayne Bennett. And he told me, he said, man, you play that guitar. And he, I said, yeah, but I can't play good as you. I said, all them niggas you playing, he said, oh, that ain't hard. He said, just come on down here. So I kept running down there in the dressing room, landing the lick. And then after I learned all that, Malico said, man, he told, Malico told McKinley, man, we got to have him. He's, he's clean on his guitar. You know what he's doing, you know? Yeah. So I didn't have no problem getting no jobs or nothing like that. I think it's amazing, too. I mean, you played Zydeco. You could play jazz, country rock, R&B, blues. I mean, you, I mean, oh, you, oh, could, I you could play anything pretty much. I mean, you just give you a guitar yeah. and you were good. Oh, yeah. I even played some country music then, you know, country music back then too. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these guys, uh, I would play by them, they were same country. I just get by there and play with them, you know. And say, man, that, you learn all that. That's from y'all. Y'all didn't know it. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you you witnessed so much history, not only in Chicago, but also Mount, at Malico too. What when did now? When did you move to Jackson? When, into Mississippi? 
1975. Okay. I, I moved, yeah. I moved down here. My first record was, was Ace Record. Johnny Vincent? Mm-hmm. Ace Record. That was the thing that I used to do. And that was my first record. And Sam Miles was on, on the other side. We had a 45 together. Sam Miles and we cut with Ace Record. Then Johnny Vincent took sick and he couldn't go no further with me. So he leaves uh, the record he cut between me and Nolan, brothers to brothers, to a dual record in Louisiana, Dan Lewis. So Dan Lewis got the lag in it, you know. He was getting ready to release another album on us, and he took sick. So his son wasn't into it no more, so he took sick. And I came home back, and I got hooked up with Miss Peggy Brown, and she... Take it from there. Peggy, I, yeah. I mean, what a great relationship. I mean, that's that's been fantastic for you. Peggy, when did you start representing him? Um, as as my memory can recall, my memory is not nearly as good as King Edward's. I just keep telling him what a good memory he has. But it was about 15 years ago when okay. we started. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was trying to think. I was trying to think when he played at the, at the Subway, because you were at the Subway for a long time, the late, great Subway Lounge. Um, you were there for, for quite a while, got to play, and I remember seeing you in the documentary, and I thought that was really cool. Let's go back to the Governor's Arts Award, and how did you find out, and what was your, I mean, how was, what was your reaction when you got that phone call that you had won? Oh, man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what to do then. I was so glad of it, and I, I took call Miss Peggy Bryan. She said, yes, thank you, thank you, Mr. King. I said, oh, yeah, I got to. I, I said, I'm going to be down there Monday and I'd sing with y'all. So I went down there and she introduced my award coming up. And and everybody was happy for me. That's why I was so glad of it. You know? And my wife, June Grant, she was there. And we had, they, all, they all took care of me real good. I know, fam- yeah. yeah, I know family's a big part of, of, of your life. And I'm glad to hear that oh, your yeah. wife was able to be there. Well, if it wasn't for uh, her and this Peggy Brown, because all my brothers and sisters are north and in different places, L.A., so I got brothers and sisters in Texas, but I'm the only one here in Mississippi, so they, kept, they take care of me pretty good. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, the, and of course, you, as Jermaine mentioned uh, before the show a little bit, she did the voiceover. Um, she got to introduce you and, and talk about your accomplishments and everything on that. But that night, of course, you're you're all fancied up and you get the award now. I, and I have to admit, I've never won a Governor's Arts Award, so I don't even know what they give you. I, I suppose it's a really cool-looking trophy or something. Oh, that, yeah. So where, uh, yeah. where did you put it? Where is where is it in your house? I got it I got it in my living room. Is the way the world is made, they got one leg and one wing, and and and, and the, it was, it, it's, it's a statue with one leg and one wing. Look up in the air. That's awesome. You know. Yeah. And it's heavy. And it's heavy. <laughs> it's so heavy you can't hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I appreciate you interviewing me today. Oh no, that's fine. We we got a little bit more time, so we're not we're not in a huge rush unless you've got a got to run. We don't want you to no, to leave out. There's a lot of things we could cover a little bit. Now, okay. You had the 2015 album, 50 Years of the Blues, and the 
that was a you know what a great milestone 50 years to be in the business and, and to be doing that but the, but the album itself fantastic and and I know you were incredibly proud to get all you know to get your music out there and to get it out and, and get the recognition and the praise that you got from that album too well the the when we got to uh, Nashville I wasn't looking for them guys I didn't know who I was playing with when I got there, them guys professional. It really didn't take me long. It didn't take them long. Once they heard my songs on on the, on the tape, they were ready to play it. Wow. So I, I liked the studio because the studio was really was Johnny Cash and all of them records in that. And then we got the quality, quality, good quality music. And we good engineer, man. So they, are, they went on pretty good. Thank you, Miss Peggy Bryan, and hit the road entertainer. Now, um, Marshall, when uh, the guy that did the CD on King Edward Bryan um, chose that studio in Nashville, and it's the castle, and so um, tons of notable country artists, rock artists, have um, recorded there, Mm -hmm. and. As King Edward was saying, he did not know who was going to be his band. We didn't take any band people from here. And so uh, one of the notable people on his CD is O'Teal Burbridge, the bass player. Yeah. And O'Teal took off playing these awesome bass lines on King Edward's songs and had us grooving. And we got there just to, you know, for him to meet them. And they all started playing. And King Edward was going, man. These guys are great. Uh, it was it was magic, um, and they just they played so well behind him. So it, it, I had to interrupt on part of that experience for that uh, in that Nashville studio. No, I think that's great. I love hearing that because I mean, here literally he has you know he was a session musician himself, but he also played with some of the greatest ever in Chicago when he played, and yeah. so for him to be able to go and have that kind of experience is just kind of like. A cherry on top of the of the so on the of the Sunday. It was just a really great experience. I'm just glad to hear that a that they were not only very good but also seemed to really respect who he was and his music. Absolutely, that was what just came through was the respect they had for him and how he played, and they were ready to take it on. And yeah, so you're exactly right. That showed through. King Edward, once again, we were talking about the Governor's Arts Awards, and it's got an incredibly big and heavy trophy that is sitting very proudly in your house right now. I loved it. You were about to go to the doctor, and um, you're like, hey, I'm a Governor's Arts Awards winner, and don't forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I so appreciate that. And, uh, boy, uh, the plane uh, went on real good at the war. Yeah. You had Ralph Finn. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Ralph Sims' art band played behind me, and it, it turned out real good. Hey, um, the people enjoyed it. The people enjoyed it. I looked around; everybody wanted to dance. Oh, really? Oh, wow! You got yeah, the crowd they, moving. They, they That's awesome. Dance. Yeah, they want to dance and bring your pretty self home. And I said, "Wow! I didn't know I had them going like that." You know. Now, I should know this. I yeah, I should know this, and I apologize for asking probably this dumb of a question, but. You know, when you got your first guitar and you played with you never know, like that, did you ever get a special signature guitar that you've kept for years, or do you just play whatever? My I mean, first gu- my first guitar was my cousin made me that guitar. Wow. He a, he, yeah, he was a. Was he a good guitar maker? Yeah, yeah, he was working the lumber yard. Yeah. He'd get all the lumber, 
yeah, all of them, he was good at making guitars, bass, uh, anything you can, you needed in your house. So he said, cousin, I'm going to make you a guitar. So he made me a guitar. I kept it a long time. Uh, for I took it, matter of fact, I, I t- left it out there with my brothers in Texas before I went to Chicago. But they the one got me started on, on guitars, really. He got me started on that. He made me a guitar back then. Yeah. It was, uh, and that wood kind of heavy. So I just bought me another one. When I got to Chicago, bought me a Gibson like B.B. had, you know. And they stole that guitar off the stage. I went to the dressing room, come back, it was gone. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, Tyrone Davis, was, we was doing a show together. And the lady told me, she said, I saw that guy coming to put the guitar in the case. She said, I thought he was with y'all. I said, oh, Lord. So the guy on the club just went on and bought me another one. But they wouldn't like that one, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be careful when you're in the city, because they get that stuff you'll never see it no more. You might as well buy some more, especially a city like Chicago. Right. That's right. So, you... And and I enjoyed it though while I was up there, and I and I made Mississippi my home, and. I'm gonna do some more music for Miss Peggy Brown. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no, no. Peggy's pretty tough too, man. She's gonna, she's gonna make you work. I, I know how she's. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you gonna make me work, guys. But the, uh, but the thing is too is because people still want to hear you play, and that's a that's a big part of it, and that's what a what a gift that is in its own right. Now you you also perform. You talked about you met BB. King pretty early on in Chicago, but you also performed at his last homecoming as well, and I think it was at 2014. Um, and you okay. got to visit with him a little bit before the show. What was that conversation okay. like? Well, it was it was really nice. Uh, one thing about it, after we had our conversation, me and BB, Miss Peggy wanted to take pictures of being being BB, and her camera wouldn't work. Her camera wouldn't work like it's supposed to. And B.B. looking at me, and I'm looking at B.B., he said, hey, 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 uh, he said, Miss, Miss Antoine, you think she's going to get it sometime today? <laughs> and everybody started laughing at the table. Cause you finally got it, though. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I, uh, he was a fun guy and a beautiful guy to work, to work with, to work around with. And he heard my band up there, and we, we just tore it up when we were up there on that stage. Yes, sir. It was a good show. And anytime y'all need King Edward to come there and play a few songs, somebody's contact me, Peggy Ryan. Yeah, definitely on that. I know, make sure Peggy will make sure you're there, too. Um, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Peggy, now, number yes, one, sir. I was going to ask you, what's it like to have B.B. King sit there busting your chops? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a, a, a tad embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> Just a tad. Like I said, though, you've known him a long time, and you've gotten to work with him a long time. You've seen him, and he played, you know, Chris, he played in three different clubs, you know, pretty early on here in Jackson. And, of course, he's played it, you know, like he mentioned before, Hall and Miles. And, and, but, I mean, to see him, you know, it, I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's like if you're a blues musician, it seems like you just get better and better and better with age. Oh, yeah. Oh yes, look like it, it comes easy now. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of time I just sing and let the band play it. I sing with them, you know. Oh yeah. And, 
was like, it just comes easy now, you know. So I rocked some, I, I saw an, an award, and I, I didn't play my guitar, but I saw, you know. Yeah. And it's, come, it's coming on tonight. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It, yeah. It'll be on, on MPB's doing a rebroadcast uh, of it, and it probably is on the website too. On the and, and which I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait to see, um, <laughs> it, and see how you did on that. Uh, but that is, like I said, just an incredible, huge honor on that. So what's what's next? Like you said, you got to heal up a little bit, but you're, you're hoping to be able to do some more playing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get back in there as soon as, as, soon as uh, I get myself feeling better and start working me some more material. Yeah, and do another do another album before I get out there, so they can pay me some money. Well, then there's that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it never hurts to get a little bit of money, does it? Yeah, that's all we get. Not a little bit. We used to get big money back then. Yeah. I about to say when you were in Chicago. I about to say when you were in Chicago doing every two two shows a day, and then when you get to be a session, you've you've been able to put together a pretty good career, haven't you? Oh yes, sir. I'm well known, Portland, Chicago. Now, after I got hooked up with Hit the Road Entertainer, I'm I'm all overseas now. Yeah. France and different places. Hit the Road Entertainer got me all over there. Yeah, I was going to ask, have you played, I was going to ask you that, have you played in Europe? And it sounds like you've gotten a chance to do that. I know I've talked with Vasti Jackson a lot about, you know, it seems like, and, and you can, you go to, you know, the B.B. King Museum or you go to the, the, the different blues museums around the state of Mississippi, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but you look at the the guest book, and it's like almost every name is from people from Europe. And it, and I asked a friend of mine when I went over to England, I said, what's the deal? You guys really love it. He said, because, and, and this person was in her 70s, but she said, every night on the BBC, they would play blues music. And that's how we would sit at night and we'd listen to it. And then that's why we love it so much. I mean, that's how we got introduced. And, of course, I know it influenced half the rock bands in the 60s as well. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that literally, um, y'all are, I mean, blues musicians are beloved over in, in Europe. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And I had a lot of people from France came nine years to, pro- to pro- uh, promote me and take pictures at Hell and Mail a lot of times. Always from France, man. They, they wanted me to do shows in a restaurant for them. Since Peggy booked me on that. You'd surprise them speaking French. And they, they, they didn't know I could speak French. And I started speaking French with them. They said, oh, man, I didn't know you can do that. You know, I, and I started speaking French. I said, and I said how you do in French? It's comment ça va? Comment ça va? That's how you do. And... uh I'm doing good, that means see, see me. And they say, hey, I didn't know you know all that. So I grew up speaking French from a very young man, you know. So when I got to Chicago, they thought I was from Africa somewhere. <laughs> I know, that that just cracks me up. That just cracks me up. Julie Wells look at them guys. Man, get out of here with that stuff. That man ain't from no Africa. <laughs> He said, we all going to see where he's from as soon as he played his guitar. That's so, right. Yeah, so I, I got I met everybody in my lifetime, you know. Holland Wolf, I used to go watch him play all the time. His guitar player. And what was he like? Well, I mean, I mean, what I mean, you know, you got to meet him. What were they like as people? I mean, were they were they friendly? Were they were well, they competitive? Yeah, they, they were all friendly. They tell jokes all the time, but and. Uh, a lot of the club owners would come back and tell me, say, you know, 
why them guys you know joke and drink so hard? I said no, but then I said I didn't notice that till I came to Chicago. He said that's right. They all they they having wife problems. <laughs> I said well, you see, yeah, both of them guys that you see talking about talking like they talking, their wife left them, man. And he said go buy one of his records. Well, that's what he gonna sing about. He's gonna sing about their wife and and, and the family. What done happened in his life? I said, you know, you're right. You know, that's what, uh, you know, uh, Lightning Hopkins and all of them guys were singing about their wives, were singing about the, what happened in their house and all that. So I started picking up on a lot of that stuff for words, using it in some of my music, you know. But uh, uh, the last one that I, I did, uh, Bring Your Pretty Self Home, it seemed like everybody liked that one, you know. Well, they like that record. It's not a, it's not a low down dirty blues, you know. Right. It's something that, it's something that keeps people happy, make them laugh, and smile, and dance, you know. So, I didn't have no problem with that album. So it's official that you are allowed to smile when you're singing the blues occasionally. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> yes sir. When it doesn't sound yes, like you know, you really, you really seem to like your wife, so it doesn't sound like she gives you much material. For the oh, she wrote, she wrote a uh, uh, um, lonely man for me. Did she really? Oh, that's cool. She wrote that song, Lonely Man. She did, and Miss Piggy hit me with a uh, bring your pretty self home. And June, uh, June wrote a uh, lonely man, and. Uh, you want somebody happy on the song, you got to put them, their feeling in it. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like when you're singing for yourself, man. You're singing for other people then. So when I sung, I'm a lonely man. That's I was going through some changes back in Chicago. That's why I was glad she wrote that song. And then bring your pretty self home. It was a happy song. I I I I, I sung. Peggy, I called her, I said, Peggy, I came up with an idea. What about a song where you pretty soon? Home. She said, Whoa. She said, Where you get them? I said, Well, I ain't seen it yet. I just coming up with it. So I went to her house and we finished writing it together. Mm -hmm. And she had me put it together. He like everybody liked that song. The one June wrote, June. And them two records, I had no problem with. I was thinking about you learning. I mean, how many hours a day do you think you played when you first started out? Or you were just constantly, you just couldn't put the guitar down? Or was it just something that came really easy to you and you didn't have to put in hours and hours of practice? Well, I used to go to rehearsal with my cousins and they practiced yeah. like, they would practice like two or three times a week. And I would go in to the rehearsal and practice with them, you know. But it wasn't no problem with me learning. Next thing I know, I was playing in a group, you know, just how fast I was learning. So it wasn't no, no, no problem then. The thing of it, all of us, like Muddy Waters, Archie Calvin, Chuck Berry, these guys, they never sat down and write no music. Right. They play, they play what's come to their mind, you know. And I never could understand Chuck Berry because he had so many words. In his song, I said, "How did man remember all them words?" You know, <laughs> you know, trying to be good. I'm, and I said, "Man, I said, yeah, you remember all them words." And then he would play good too. He was a hell of a guitar player. 
So I learned a lot from them. Murder and uh, Murder Waters and Junior Wells and Logic Hopkins, Sunderland Slim, all them guys back in the days. Uh, a lot of them didn't go on, but I I kept the music going. Yeah, but you're you're still here. You're still here, and you're still still having fun with it. I got to tell you a quick story, and this is a true story. I played in a band in college. I was a harmonica oh. player. And there were two other guys playing guitar. I was playing harmonica. They would sing, and I'd play the harmonica. And one day, I took the harmonica out of my mouth, and I started singing. And they both stopped playing, and they turned around, and they looked at me, and it was dead quiet. And they said, stop singing. Don't ever sing again. (laughs) (laughs) It was dead bad. It was dead bad, wasn't it? It was pretty bad. (laughs) It really was. So. So, you, you wanted to hear that harmonica. Yeah, so they said just keep the harmonica in your mouth and everything will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, one of these days when I go back to the Hall of Males and, and play with the band, I want you to come down and blow one with me. I, that would be probably on my bucket list, probably right in the top two, uh, if I got a chance to do that. And I would be very honored to be... You know, getting married to a really beautiful woman and having three great kids, that was number one. Sorry, but oh, yeah. you would yeah, definitely come in second on that one. Um, yes, sir. I think it's the reason that's first. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, this has been a joy. Peggy, have you got any uh, last thoughts or stories you want to tell about him before we go? Because, I mean, uh, th- this has just been a wonderful conversation. Um. I just don't know that I have much to add. Like I say, every time I listen to him do an interview, it's like, oh, my gosh, I hear something else I've never heard before. (laughs) And so it's just a delight for for me to be in on it. But um, I do hope he um, gets, you know, rehabbed and gets back to playing because um, I miss hearing his playing and his guitar licks. There was nobody, there's nobody like King Edward except one person who plays similarly him is Eddie Cotton. And yeah. King Edward taught Eddie how to play the blues down at the subway. And so you ask Eddie Cotton how he learned the blues, and um, he says King Edward taught him. And you can listen to um, you can listen to Eddie's blues licks, and it's like, oh my gosh, you hear faint sounds of King Edward. And I'm, I miss his playing. I just I'm, I miss sitting there listening to him play, and he would mouth his cord his cords you know in his mouth going mm, mm, like that when he was playing he doesn't know he did that but i've studied him for so long <laughs> and I, and and i just I, I just really really miss that but one thing about the governor's awards we we got eddie cotton to come be our guest oh that's great and it, was just, it was wonderful he yeah. helped um he helped King Edward get up on stage you know to push his wheelchair up there so he could sing and he was delighted to be a part of that, just to, you know, give homage and honor to King Edward. So, um, and even Miss Dorothy Moore came to the ceremony. Did she really? Oh, wonderful. To be be there for King Edward. She wanted to just, uh, you know, show, honor him. So that was, that was, I've got pictures of the three of them together and it's just a, a, a stellar picture. So. Yeah, and I, I, I will, I, number one, say hello to Dorothy Moore for me, because I, when I got okay. to interview her, I loved her, and the reason I loved her is because she reminded me so much of my grandmother, 
It was just not oh even God. funny. She likes to fish, and she has a truck. And that was the way my grandmother yeah, that's was. Right. That's all of it. That's all right. I that's, will. Thank you, Mark. But, I mean, what a blessing. I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, and I hope people that are hearing the show understand, number one, what a treat it was to hear these stories that we got to hear today. But, number two, I hope they appreciate that they get to live in a state that has produced so much incredible music throughout the years. And um, for King Edward, for you to get the, the honor from the Governor's Arts Award, I think it's fantastic. And it definitely, I know you were thrilled about it, but I'm equally as thrilled for you because I understand what an, an appropriate honor that truly was. Yes, sir. I will appreciate that very much from the way I came up, you know, back in the days. Yeah, you didn't see this one coming, did you? No, it just hit me. Yeah. It hit me behind my head. <laughs> <laughs> so here you, here you come, Kane. Here you come. Yes, yeah, so uh, I so uh, appreciate that, that interview. Yeah, this was great. This was great. And I mean, I so appreciate you. And I just, this has been a real treat for me. So thank you so much for, for being on with us today. Peggy, thanks for jumping in as well. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Marshall. I appreciate it. Oh, this was a good time. This was a good time. King Edward Antoine, like I said, Governor's Arts a winner this year for Excellence in Music Legend. If you haven't seen it, check out Last of the Mississippi Jukes. It is a, a great way to get introduced to him. Of course, his album is 50 Years of the Blues, and that is a great album, too. You can find that on, on the streaming services. I listened to it just today. It is some great music as well. And I want to thank you for listening. And, and if you'd like to hear this or any of the past episodes, you can subscribe to our podcast. It's doing really great. Thank you for listening. Of course, that's on your favorite podcast app or on our MPB Public Media app. Now You're Talking is a production of MPB Think Radio with, uh, you know, the episode and the podcast are both produced by the incredible, amazing, and narrator of the Governor's Arts Award herself, Jermaine Flood. And join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. I'm Marshall Ramsey. I hope y'all have an amazing week. This is an MVB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mvbonline.org or download the MVB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.